All right, we're going to talk about more today. We're going to talk about what everybody wants. So I said just a few minutes ago that some version of this question or statement or whatever has been said to me for many, many years now, there must be more, especially and particularly when it comes to a relationship with God. You know, there are people that there must be more. There's got to be more. I feel like there's more. Isn't there more? Is there more to this? And, you know, during this time of year, we're, we're two weeks away from Easter, everybody, and this is the Lenten season. Usually churches around the world, in America, we see attendance begins to swell, and that's for some traditional reasons, but I also think it's for another reason. I think that as we head toward Easter, people are thinking, you know, Easter is the highest holy day of the entire Christian year, that maybe if I go to church during this season, right, that I'll finally discover the more, the more that there maybe is in life and in my relationship with God. So today, I want us to focus on what everybody wants. People have said to me over the years, you know, if I could just find a church with better preaching. Now, I don't know if that's, you know, <laughs> if I could find a church with a better kids program or better prayer ministry or better music, better singles ministry, better sports ministry, and the list goes on and on, then I would, I would have that more that I'm looking for, if I could just find that. And when they've said that to me over the years, I always thought, you know, I don't think that's going to do it. Those are all good things. There really are to look for those things that would help us. But I don't think it's the more that we're looking for. I think we're looking for something much deeper. For the next three weeks, we're going to focus on right up into Easter, what is the more that we're looking for? Let's just have a prayer and ask God to guide us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the direction, the guidance, particularly in this area of more. Help us to understand maybe what it is this morning. And we've come together hoping, God, that maybe this morning we would discover what the more is. Speak that personal message to each one of us. And help us to understand where you're leading us. In Christ's name, amen. There is a difference, everyone, between a consumer relationship and a covenant relationship. A consumer relationship and a covenant relationship. It's very important to understand this about the Bible. Any time in the Bible that God chooses to be in a relationship with somebody... God always chooses to do so on the basis of covenant. This is incredibly important. Anytime in the Bible that God chooses to be in relationship with somebody, and that relationship equals the more that we'll talk about, God does it on the basis of a covenant. A covenant is the way into that relationship with God. Many people often say, well, how do I begin my relationship with God? How do I start it? The covenant is the way that you enter into a relationship with God. There is absolutely nothing wrong with a consumer relationship. Consumer relationships are good and needed, very needed in our society. Take, for instance, like a coffee shop. Let's say that you go to a coffee shop and the coffee, has, coffee shop has great coffee and it has great service for a great price. That's awesome. And you're very happy about it. There's nothing wrong about that. And then let's say you've been going there for many years, and after a certain number of years, 
Well, lo and behold, the quality of the coffee goes down, the quality of the service goes down, and the price goes up. And so what do you do? You're out of there. You leave. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a consumer relationship because maybe a coffee shop down the street has better coffee. Now, what if you're in a marriage and at the beginning of the marriage, your spouse makes really great coffee, right? <laughs> and they offer really great service to, you know, to the coffee. Maybe it's coffee in bed, something. I don't know, but there's coffee, right? There's coffee first thing in the morning. And for a very great price. And then after, let's just say, let's just pick a number. Let's say after 20 years of marriage, the quality of the coffee is, you know, just going down. It's plummeting. It's bad. It's getting really bad. And the service, you know, you're like, hey, babe, how about a cup of coffee? And maybe babe says, yeah, how about it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So So what do you do? So what do you do? I mean, are you out of there? I hope not. I hope you're not out of there. Why? Because this isn't a consumer relationship. This is a covenant relationship. And covenant relationships are quite different than consumer relationships. Matter of fact, I believe that covenant relationships are the most profound and life-changing relationships in all the world. I believe that it's covenant relationships, actually, everybody, everybody, that is holding this entire world together. And I believe it's covenant relationships that is really the more that we are after, not a consumer relationship. A consumer relationship with God will never fill us up. They're just way too shallow. Consumer relationships are meant for coffee shops and restaurants. Covenant relationship is meant for our relationship with God. It is the more that we crave. Now, let's do a couple of verses of Scripture from Moses. We're going to talk about Moses today, and particularly the covenant that God established with Moses and the people of Israel through Moses. Let's pick it up in Exodus chapter 19. So this is where it's a quite familiar story, right? So... uh, the people of Israel are in bondage in Egypt, and God says, let my people go. He uses Moses as his spokesperson, and so now they've left Egypt, and their very first stop is Mount Sinai. So they're there at Mount Sinai, and this covenant is established, the Sinai covenant with Moses. It'll be reestablished at the end of his life in the book of Deuteronomy. So here is where it's first established, their very first stop out in the wilderness after they've left Egypt. God is speaking in Exodus 19. He says, God says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now, here we go. Now, if, write that word in and maybe circle it because it's an incredibly important word. Now, if, if what, God? If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Did you catch that? This is a conditional covenant. It's an if covenant. If you do this, you have to do something or you will not be in this covenant. So how do they respond to this conditional covenant? Exodus 19, verse number eight, just a few verses later, the people notice this. Notice how this is sweeping, this sweeping comments here and the words that are chosen to be used. Then all people, all people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. We'll do everything. Well, that's just the first time they respond this way. 
They respond a second time in Exodus 24, verse number three. Check this out. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said we will do. Everything? It's a big word. Everything. We'll do everything. Exodus 24, 7, the third time they respond to this covenant offer, right? We're talking about your move and how we respond to the offer that God puts on the table for us. So here is the third time, the third time they respond, Exodus 24, 7. It says, then he, meaning Moses, took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people and they responded, we will do how much? Everything, some things. We'll do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Three times they basically say we're all in. God, we are all in. This is how you enter the covenant. We are all in. This is how you enter the covenant. You say, God, I'm all in. I'm 100% in. In. Not halfway in. Not 90% of the way in. We're completely in. In we're all in. Now let's back up. Let's back all the way up. Let's get to Moses when he's first being born. Let's just do the highlights of what takes place. So Moses is his parents are living in Egypt. They're now in it's horrendous. It's terrible slavery. Actually, Pharaoh, this wicked, evil king, Pharaoh puts out this edict that all the baby boys born by the Hebrews by the Israeli people in Egypt are to be killed. They're to be thrown into the river. They worship the Nile River in Egypt. It was the God Happy, H-A-P-I, not H-A-P-P-Y, the God Happy, and they worshiped it. And these children were like a sacrifice. And you know what's so interesting about this, everybody? You think about the connection between Moses and Jesus. And we talk so often about people who are types of of Christ that we see even in the Old Testament because the entire Bible is about Jesus Christ. And so when Moses is born, this evil, wicked king is killing baby boys. And what happens when Jesus Christ is born? This evil, wicked king is killing baby boys in the town of Bethlehem. And so Moses is born and his family hides him. And they hide him for as long as they could till they could hide him no more. And then they made a basket and they put him in the basket and they put him out in the Nile River. And then what happens? Pharaoh's daughter, one of the princesses, comes along and she sees the baby and she takes pity and compassion upon him. And she raises Moses in the palace, in her home where he's educated and he gets all the privileges of being a prince of Egypt, even though he's Hebrew. And then one day after he grows older, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And he says, well, I can't have that. And so he waited to when he thought nobody was looking. And what he did is he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And what happened is he was found out. And when he was found out, Pharaoh said, well, I'm going to kill you. And so Moses goes on for run for his life way out into the wilderness near where? Mount Sinai. And he's there. He, he meets a girl. They get married. He becomes a shepherd. And then 40 years later, God shows up and God calls him. He says, look, Moses, I need you to go back and speak to Pharaoh and say, what? Let my people go, or I will blow your whole country up. Let my people go. Free them. Free them from slavery, right? So God's very serious about this thing. And you know Moses, right? Moses, the great man of God, you know what he says? He's, no, no. He's extraordinarily reluctant. He says, no, um, can, you know, there must be somebody else who could do this. You know, I mean, nobody's going to listen to me. And God says, they're going to listen to you. And he says, well, you know, I'm not a very good talker. 
And God says, it's okay. I'll, I'll help you out with the talking part. And finally, finally, after all of these excuses, finally Moses, you just get to, he just says, please, can you find somebody else to do this? What I'm saying to you here is, is Moses is incredibly reluctant. We get a window into his reluctance when he finally agrees to go, and he's on route on path to go back to Egypt. So he's given in and he's going and he's with his wife and his child and they're on the way. And then this very strange story, everybody, very strange story, but it shows you Moses's reluctance, his half-heartedness. It says that God sought to kill Moses. Like, I don't know what that looks like, right? I mean, could not, I mean, is God like, oh, come here. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, is he trying? How do you miss if you're God, right? But anyway, I, is it, he's seeking to kill him. And I, but why? He had not circumcised his own son. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant. The covenant is you're all in. You're all in. And so he wasn't all in. And so his wife circumcises the boy. And now Moses is like, okay, I better be all in. And what you begin to see through this process is a is a process, a transformation of Moses going from half-heartedness to being all in. And he goes back and he begins to speak to Pharaoh. And he refuses to back down when Pharaoh says to him, I will not let the people go. There's no half-heartedness any longer to Moses. He's completely in. You think about the covenant, and we've talked about this in the past few weeks. Look, just think about it for a second. When you enter the covenant, we talked about you have an animal, you cut the animal in two, you have two parts of the animal, there's blood everywhere, it's just terrible, it's just, and so you have two parts of the animal, and you walk in between in that figure eight pattern. Well, look, everybody, <laughs> what you're saying when you do that is say, if I don't fulfill this covenant, may I be ripped apart like these two animals? Well, that's a pretty vivid picture, right? So, you know, before I walk through that figure eight pattern, I got to know one thing, I'm either all in or I'm not, Right? Because if I'm, not, if I'm like half-hearted, well, then I'm saying, well, I, this is what's going to happen to me. So it doesn't lend itself to, to half-heartedness, which is where Moses was. Jesus Christ, you think about this. Jesus is constantly referring in the Gospels, in his own words, this covenant idea of being all in. No less than five times, Jesus says, he who is not with me is against me. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the covenant. You're either with me or against me. There's no middle ground. You're not like kind of with Jesus, maybe with Jesus, half-heartedly with Jesus. You're like, I'm all with you, Jesus, or I'm all against you, Jesus, but there's no middle ground. There's no, no such thing as a half covenant in the Bible. You're either like 100% or 0%, but there's no percents in between, 100%. Jesus says in Luke 9.62, Maybe you heard this one before. No one who puts his hand to the plow, hand to the plow, and looks back, like so you would look back, so the other hand be off the plow, is fit for the kingdom of God. This is covenant language. You either all in or you're not in at all. If you're like this, you're not in at all. This is covenant. You got to be all in or nothing else. Jesus says in Luke 16, 13, no one can serve two masters. I've been doing uh, weddings for over 20 years now. can't believe I'm that old, but I've been doing these weddings for over 20 years. And I have never had somebody, you know, ask me, hey, uh, Pastor John, could, you, could we like adjust the vowels just a little bit? Would it, would it be okay if we adjust? Because I'd, I'd like my vowels to say, you know, 
I'm going to love you forever as long as you make me happy and you look young and beautiful. No one's ever asked me to do that. But every wedding ceremony I've ever done, in some form or fashion, the wedding vow is basically this. I vow to love and cherish you till death do us part. There's no middle ground there, everybody. It's all in or all out. It's all in or it's all out. Marriage is a covenant. And our covenant with God is the same way. We're either all in or we're all out. But there's absolutely no middle ground in this process. James chapter 4. We're not going to read it now. But I just want to tell you something that it says. And you should read it at some point. The beginning of James chapter 4. It's fantastic. James is Jesus' brother. He was the first leader of the church that was in Jerusalem. And he's writing about one subject. He's writing about this total surrender, this all-end mentality. And he says, when we go all in with God, that God will lift us up. He says, when we go all in with God, our prayers will be answered. Oh my goodness, are you serious? This is a question I get from people all the time and a question I ask myself. I'm like, God, are you there? Because you're not answering my prayers. And I feel like my date, my, 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 my faith is doubting because you're not answering my prayers. And what it says in James chapter four is, is if I go all in with God, that God will hear and answers my, what do you love that for God to answer your prayers? Well, the thing is, is if you go absolutely go all in with God, well, then your prayers are completely synced up with God. So you're really praying for things that he totally wants anyway. Does that make sense? All in. So what you see here with Moses is Moses through this process goes all in with God and God lifts him up. And Moses doesn't back down to Pharaoh. And he doesn't even back down when the Hebrew people are like, hey, man, this is terrible. And they're beating us like crazy now because they're not going to give us straw to make the bricks. And, but he refuses to back down. You know why? Because he's completely all in. Their first stop. Now we've done the backup. Now we're back to where I was talking about originally in Exodus 19. They're back at Sinai and at this covenant. What happens at Sinai at their when they make this covenant. Well, something very interesting takes place. So they're there. They say, we'll obey completely. We'll obey everything. And then Moses says, great. And then Moses goes up on the, up on the mountain. If you've ever seen the Ten Commandments from Charlton Heston, this is like flat flashbacks are coming. I don't, do they show that? Any, I don't think they show that anymore in Easter. Do they? Okay. All right. It's about 30 hours long movie, but it's great. So he goes up on the mountain. He goes up on the mountain. And he receives the Ten Commandments. But what happens, everybody, while he's up on the mountain? Right? They go to his brother, Aaron. They go to Aaron and say, you know, this guy, Mo- it's very interesting language in the Scripture. He's vanished. We can't see him. We would prefer to follow a God and follow a person that we can see. We want to see them. And this guy's vanished. We don't know if he's coming back. Make us a God. And so he says, well, give me all your gold. And he gives all the gold, and they, they form it into this huge golden calf. And they begin to worship this golden calf. As a kid, I read that story, and I thought, man, wow. I mean, that's so primitive, right? We, we, wouldn't, we would not do that today. It just seems so out of place. Oh, I can appreciate that. But, I mean, we're so much more advanced that nobody would bow down and worship a golden calf today. So it seemed like somewhat of a disconnect. Maybe it seems that way to you and kind of primitive. But I thought, even though maybe it's not so relevant, I thought I would at least study what does the golden calf represent? What's it all about? Well, there's three things it represents. First of all, it's about, it's gold. So it's money. So 
when they made the golden calf, they were, they were bowing down to money. They were saying, money will, I, will define us as people. Like we find our identity in money. We'll worship money. Money is a god to us. That doesn't happen today. But back then it did. They worshiped that. The second thing it means is it's a bull calf that they made. They made a bull calf. And the bull calf stands for power. Like they really, really liked power, having power. And we don't identify with that today either, especially in the city. Uh, and the, the final thing that the bull calf represents is sexual drive. Because we're told after they get done worshiping, they get up and they, they have this huge, whew, I mean, it just gets really wild. We won't describe it. It's really wild. And it represents those three things. Money, power, and sex. And you know what's really incredible about that? Is that when Israel demanded a king many years later, God says, here's three things that your king should never accumulate too much of. Too much wealth, too many weapons, and too many wives. Because they represent money, power, and sex. Everything comes back to those three things they've had for thousands and thousands of years, and it's never going to change. And so they bow down and they begin to worship. So Moses is up on the mountain, and God says to him, he says, hey, look, your people, this gets really interesting. You should read this sometime. God doesn't say, hey, my people that you brought with you, God says, your people, Moses, that you brought out have rebelled against me. And now I want you to go down there and speak judgment against them because I am sick and tired of the stiff-necked people. Moses, watch the offer. This is awesome. You're going to see the transformation in his life here. He says, I'm done with these people. I'm going to annihilate them. And Moses, I got a great deal for you. I got a really great deal for you. I... I am going to make you, Moses, into a great nation. I'm going to lift, I'm going to do, I'm just doing this incredible thing for you, Moses. Now listen, is that appealing to Moses or what? Like Moses has already had huge problems with these people. Is that appealing to him? Yes, it is. He's like, not only do these people who've been ridiculing him and causing him all kinds of problems, does he get to like, yes, annihilate them. But now Moses... Moses himself gets to be the main man. It's not about the God of Abraham. It's about the God of Moses for all of history. Now, here's where it's really interesting. This is is how you know that Moses has now changed from being half-hearted to being all-in and how Moses gets to experience the more that he was looking for. Moses does this. He says, God, no. No. Matter of fact, God, if you're going to blot them out, go ahead and blot me out too. Moses risks everything. He puts everything on the line. He says, Just take me with them. Because unless you're going to save them, don't save me. He's all in now. He's made a covenant with God and a covenant with God's people. He's no longer... You see, God was offering him something that would appeal to somebody on a consumer level, right? And now Moses is responding back, God, I won't take the consumer way. I'll take the covenant way. Do not blot them out. And if you do, blot me out with them. It's... Incredible. Now, there's one other thing to this story. Maybe you've caught it. It's in Exodus 33. I think it's worth a mention here. Moses comes down out of the mountain, and there's a big ruckus and all this kind of stuff. But there's something else that takes place. And and the story happens in Exodus 33, back to back. Maybe you remember this. It says that Moses used to. He used to go into a tent, and he used to speak with God face to face. Anybody remember that story where Moses go and speak face to face with God? Immediately after it says that he used to do that, 
knowing that now he is identified with the sins of the people and he stood as that intermediary, he stood as that person interceding for them, we're told that then Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, you can't see my face. Well, wait a minute. I thought Moses was just seeing, I thought he was just speaking with God face to face. And now God says, you can't see my face. Moses had so sacrificed everything before God and put himself in that position and identified with the sins of the people. God, if you're going to blot them out, blot me out too. That God says, now because you are so close to that sin and the people that you identified yourself, you can no longer experience that face-to-face. You've lost that privilege. Now think about this, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross who spoke face to face with the Father. And he's hanging there on the cross. And because now he's taken all the sins of the world on him, what does God do? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Moses, like Jesus, and Jesus, like Moses, he puts it all on the line just like Jesus Christ does for us because he's all in. But because of what Moses did, he saved those people. But because of what Jesus Christ did, he saved the entire world. Here's one thing you need to know about covenant. The power of the covenant, everybody, will be powerful in your life. It'll be the more that you're looking for. But it'll probably be even more greater for other people than it will be for you. When you go all in with God, other people are incredibly impacted by your decision to go all in with God. The more that we are looking for in this life is only found when we enter into a covenant agreement with God and covenants are only entered entered into when we say, God, 100% is you. I'm going all in and holding nothing back whatsoever. There's a Scripture verse in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'd like to read to you. You'll, you'll get the point of this consumer covenant relationship that's going on here. This is what it says. There will be difficult times for people will love only themselves. So people were loving back then when this was written 2,000 years ago. They were just loving themselves. And you thought that selfies were a modern day thing, right? <laughs> They'll love only themselves and their money. They'll be, think about this. This is all surface stuff. This is all shallow stuff. They'll be boastful and they'll be proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. That's the worst one. And ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. Now check this out in verse number five. They will act religious. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Those are the religious people (laughs) acting like that? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. See, there's all kinds of religious stuff that we can do. And here's the question that I am asked all the time. You know what? You know, I'm going to church, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm praying, and my prayers aren't being answered, and I'm frustrated. Hey, Pastor John, there's got to be more. What's the more? This is it. This is the more. My question to you is simply this. Have you gone all in? Because until you go all in, you will never, ever experience the power of a covenant relationship with God, which is the more that you seek. Have you ever said that to God? You ever said, God, everything? Not most, all. The story about a minister, his name is F.B. Myers, pretty famous minister of a number of years ago, was a theologian, 
um, pastor, preacher, very, very well-known guy. He was lacking fruit in his ministry, and he was lacking power. He knew he was lacking power. And so one night, he had this defining moment. He said, God, there's no power in my life. What is going on? There must be more. And he felt so clearly. It's just one of those moments that you get. Happens, who knows, once in a lifetime. He felt like God just walked up next to him as he was sitting there praying at his desk. And God says, hand me the keys to your life. Hand me the keys to your life. And he said it was so clear and palpable to him, he actually reached in his pocket. He pulled out some keys. He put them on the desk. He said, there you go. There they are. Here's the keys. And then God said, is that all the keys? (laughs) And he said, well, no. And God began to walk away. He said, wait, wait. He dug in his back pocket. There's the last key. And when he surrendered that last key and he gave all to God, the power of God began to fill his life. Now the question is simply this. Have you ever given everything to God? Have you ever said, God, I'll fully obey you. I'm fully surrendering my life to you. There's an amazing true story told about the uh, French philosopher Blaise Pascal. Awesome. This guy was wildly successful, brilliant person who, even though he had tremendous success, was incredibly frustrated and miserable and in bondage in his life. Had servants around him all the time, waiting on him hand and foot. Miserable. He had a transformation in his life, and he never told anybody about it. It wasn't found out until after he died. They found, sewn into his cloak, a note. And he had it sewn in right next to his heart. He put it there himself. And his nephew found it, found it after he died. And he read it. And apparently Blaise Pascal had what he called a night of fire. And it totally changed his life. And you know what he says? One of his lines in this little writing that he put in there. He said, everything, God, everything is yours now. And people didn't know what that was. But they said, this guy has been changed. He's been transformed. He's not the same. One of the things he began to do, rather than having people serve him, is he began to serve other people because now he was free. He began to make his own bed. He was free. Are you free? Are you free? Have you given all the keys to God? Because this is the more, as simple as this is, everybody, This is the only way into the power of the covenant is to surrender everything to God. This morning could be the beginning of the rest of your life. But you will never know it unless you're willing to surrender it all to God. Can you do that this morning? Can you say, hey God, I'm all in. I'm not half in. I'm not 90% in. I'm all in this morning. Because if you will do that, if you will take that step with God, you will enter into the power of the covenant with Almighty God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, your word at times is so simple and direct. And it hits us right between the eyes.
We can talk about a lot of stuff this morning. But the very simple question for us is, have we handed over all the keys to you? Because if we have not, the message that you have to us is that we will never experience the more that there is in life until we do. Help each one of us this morning, God, to begin the rest of our lives living out the more, the power of this covenant. Lord, allow us to experience everything that it's worth and hold nothing back. Let us go all in with you. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for being here. Prayer team is over here. If you'd like to pray, you're more than welcome to stay in your seats. We have some music. Grace and Vibes over here. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.